You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 418. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season two of the Norwegian Netflix fantasy series, Ragnarok. And I guess, technically, this is the season two penultimate episode, but in a season of only six episodes, it doesn't seem to have the same impact. Yeah, I'd say, especially with this particular penultimate episode, was not the hard charging one where maybe we would see like on game of thrones yeah a little bit more character driven than action driven and and that's okay uh, that that's perfectly fine with me it's okay yeah okay is a good word for it <laughs> now still no word on a season three renewal i find it impossible to believe that it's not going to get one for a lot of reasons number one the show's really good I, from all indications it's reasonably popular and I would think being an international show, that helps it out because there are, I don't want to say so few of them, but compared to the Netflix shows that originate in the United States. So uh, I, I think we'll get a third season. I think people are freaking out because we got the season two renewal a lot earlier, uh, you know, a year ago. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Well, you also have to think that they don't really have a lot of like, special effects or cgi or anything like that so um, i imagine the show comparatively to other shows is you know not that expensive to produce right yeah i mean a few action sequences that they have to block out and, and, and all of that but as you said no no real special effects so unless we're going to see something in the final episode of this season yeah i, I can't imagine budget is the real problem here uh if you guys want to contact us with episode feedback questions comments whatever sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can get to us join the facebook group if you haven't already and get into the discussions there i don't know if you saw the netflix top 10 in the usa today this week uh, i but did not number three with a bullet twilight <laughs> come on you, you know you know you want to give me some props here so um dave you're you're just your 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 taste in in actresses and movies is uh, ahead of your time man. i know and, uh, and, and i'm today i'm looking at guitar videos on youtube and i run across this guitar model called the saint vincent and i never realized it was a signature model that there is a musician who goes by saint vincent and and mm -hmm. it's a a woman i don't know if you know her or not i don't well not personally but I, well yeah, okay i know but, of her <laughs> all right well so i'm telling my wife that as if she cares because i'm talking about the guitar rather than the musician as much and she's like oh yeah she dated Kristen stewart I'm like okay <laughs> how did you know that but anyway so actually she did after she broke up with uh cara delavine but anyway right. um all those People magazines lying around your house, they do have a use. All right. Now, this week, I finished season two of Biohackers and, you know, really enjoyed it. It's a German series, as I've mentioned before, on Netflix uh, about you know, these young scientists that are caught up in this web of uh, these illegal experiments that are going on in uh, in their world as they're, you know, I don't know, working on their 
PhDs or whatever it is they're working on. That that's that's never clear. They don't spend much time in class, so I don't know exactly what's going on there. Uh, and then I mentioned last time the show Atypical, and, and and Fred mentions that in his feedback. It's just one of those shows. I I just I I defy anybody to watch that and not enjoy the hell out of it. And that's okay. all I'm going to say. All right. So, anyway, all right. What do you got? That's pretty high praise. Um, so I finished off my rewatch of all the X-Men movies with, uh, the two, probably, I think maybe two of the finest examples in it. And that is Deadpool one and Deadpool two. Okay. Um, so just, uh, it, it's actually, you know, it's funny when like you kind of like, obviously I've made no bones about it on this show. I've talked about it before. I've on many numerous occasions have tried to get you to watch Deadpool uh, you know, it's just movies that I absolutely love, but you know, I hadn't seen it in a while. So it's like kind of cool to like have a movie you really, really like, but you haven't watched it in a couple of years and you come back to it. It's like, you know, you just like, there's, you actually kind of like forget some things and, and, uh, and everything. So I don't know. That was really cool. The other thing that I just watched last night and, and this is on Netflix, but it's just a movie, not a series is the platform. And I feel like, We've talked about this movie, or you might have mentioned it or something. It doesn't sound familiar, no. Oh, okay. So basically the premise is this guy wakes up, and it's in kind of a pseudo-prison, but he like volunteered to be in there. And there's it's, it's a building that, like there's two people on each floor. So there's just like a square. There's two people on each floor, and... The food starts on the top floor and works its way down. So each floor, there's two people on each level. And starting at the top level, they get like a certain amount of time. They can eat as much as they want, but they can't save anything. Uh, and then it goes down to the next level, next level, next level, so on and so forth. So it's, you know, a pretty, you know, obviously there's a lot of obviously social commentary going on here and everything. Um, this is a really, really good movie. Uh, super dark. Um, many parts of it are downright disturbing, but a uh, pretty, pretty cool movie. Awesome premise. Just uh, really liked it. It's a Spanish movie. Um, so I started watching it. Because, I don't know why. I, I don't watch anything dubbed at all anymore on Netflix, but it came out with the, you know, the dubbed version. I quickly switched back over to Spanish, which was much better. Cool. Uh, I may give that a shot. So. Yeah. Check it out. It's only an hour and a half. Okay. So it's in your wheelhouse, yeah, Dave. I like it. So, all right. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's get to Ragnarok episode five of season two. Know yourself, which as we said, is the season two penultimate episode written by Adam Price and Emily Lebeck. K, who have written all of season two, directed this time by Mads Kemp Tholstrup. This is his first episode, and he's going to direct the finale as well. And it dropped on May 27th, 2021 on Netflix. Uh, for our little uh, precursor to the episode this week, we get a little blurb about the Midgard Serpent. And the, the aspect that I found most interesting, intriguing, frightening, horrific is that it's the child of loki yeah and the most dangerous monster in norse mythology no that 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 went right by me that let me go back to the child of loki so right. 
I guess one of the questions that, that we have to ask is whether or not he understands or has even an inkling of what that thing in the terrarium or whatever those things are <laughs> is called. Right. You know, we, we find out it's part of the giant family and that Thor defeats it in the Battle of Ragnarok. Well, talk about spoilers. I mean, yeah. I mean we kind of right. knew this is where we're headed, but geez, you didn't have to put it there <laughs> right at the start. Right. Well, and of course, we've we've all, that's been kind of an ongoing question: is you know how you know how faithfully is the show going to follow the you know the the actual mythology and and you know as we said, like maybe does it become this you know you know th- does the thing is like well we can change it. We don't have to do what we've always done before. We you know um, so yeah. So I, I I would assume that that's kind of the, what's going to happen because, yeah, like you said, it's spoilers, right? That almost every show they tell us right at the beginning all about the you know the character that's going to be not necessarily prominent, but that's going to be a, a part of of that week's episode, yeah, or that episode. I shouldn't say that week's, yeah. Well, well, the other piece of information we get, and and again, not that we didn't put these things together throughout the first you know, 10 episodes of the series that the Norse gods equal law and order and the giants are chaos. But I think the, the most meaningful detail we get and, and hopefully Magna will grasp onto this is that God's killing giants was not seen as evil. And I, and I think we get that where he's walking in the street and I, th- I think we're supposed to hear what he's listening to on his uh, phone or, you know, whatever listening device he's got. But, you know, obviously that's a hurdle that he must overcome or, no, Thor is not going to defeat the Midgard serpent if he's unwilling to kill or, or I, I don't know how he's going to get around it. Maybe there's there's some way, but, uh, you know. Well, at least because he's, he's coming back to the fold. Yeah, he's well, now going to. Right, and, and I think for this episode, the battle for Magna revolves around this moral ethical code that he's developed for himself you know over the course of his lifetime and and we get that you know we we get how traumatic it was for him to kill but on the other hand he he knew that his brother's life was at stake as well and, and you know we talked about it last week that the dramatic irony uh, you know, in, in Vidar's death, that uh, we know Vidar planned to kill Lartz. So, yeah. you know, while Lartz, whether or not he believes Ron, when she tells him the same thing, I mean, it seems as if he does, but with Lartz. Yeah, I don't think he really does. It, it doesn't yeah. seem to be like sinking in that, yeah, um, Vidar wanted you dead, man. He personally was going to do the was going to be the guy that killed you yeah you know like he just doesn't seem to be integrating that knowledge even though like i said i mean magna told him now ron tells him like how many people how many different sources from different places do you need before you like figure it out man well i guess the beauty of his character is that we know loki as the trickster god so that scene with his brother where magna comes and knocks on his door and tries to explain himself that comes after Ron has told uh, Lartz that, you know, I offered to do it, but he said he wanted to do it. And, and they, the two brothers hug it out there and it seems genuine. I mean, of course we know it is on Magna's part, 
it seems genuine on Laura's part, but we don't know, as you were just kind of alluding to, which is, you know, again, the beauty of his character. But, you know, I guess the other thing is, in a sense, it's Magna's search for self all over again. And while he's learned a lot along the way, you know, hopefully he realizes what what mountain faces him, especially with his moral code. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I, I know I had said this on a number of times, and but now it is. I think I can pretty much put the official stamp on this. These guys are copying the Spider-Man movies absolutely without any question about it. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't know, whatever. Uh, but, but, you know, so, I mean, this is the plot of Spider-Man 2. Right. right. You know? and, and, you know, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about, you know, that heavy borrowing. On the one hand, I think, well, that's cool. You know, you're, you're acknowledging something and, okay, whatever. So, it's a great movie. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, what was just a suspicion at first, now I'm like, ah, this is they are just ripping off Spider-Man 2 like nobody's business, you know? Yeah. And it's the exact same thing. Peter Parker didn't want to be Spider-Man anymore. It was interfering with his personal life. So he, like, kind of rejected his powers. Uh, things were better for him. He was doing well in school, getting... He was showing up on time to things, showing up to dates on time. Everything was going great. But then it gets to a point where he realizes, well, his not being Spider-Man is still an existential threat to all the people that he loves. So he has to learn to accept the powers and the responsibility that goes along with it. And, right. You know, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. There's, the, the, there's no doubt in my mind that they are just I, – I, I'd stop sure saying ripping off, but I'd say borrowing very heavily from the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, and, and you have to wonder, because it doesn't seem as if he's ready to get back into the fight – does seeing Isolde's new gravestone kind of push him over the edge and, and make him realize what is at stake here and and that they do need him? And, and you know, I, I, I love the whole idea that the key is the key that he needs to get from Lawrence so he can get in yeah. to uh, Udalheim. Well, I, I mean, I, th- I think it's, it's Ron uh, showing up at their house and kicking his ass well, in okay. his own home that he's like, that kind of brings it home for him. Like, if you'll excuse the, the phrase that, um, you know, that he understands now that, that uh, you know, the giants are not going to leave him alone just because he doesn't have powers. That they're going to go after his mother. They're going to go after, you know, like they, they fire his mother, ranches up the house. Well, you just push it too far, like always. They don't know when to back off. Like Soxa, when she's in charge, she knows when to, to how to ride the middle ground. Fjord and Ron have absolutely no clue how to do that, and they are going to just shove the Thor right back into Manya. Well, and, and I guess in their defense, they're doing what has worked for them for centuries, but it's Soxa that understands and recognizes that Things have changed. It's not the same landscape that we're used to. And, you know, while you two are unwilling to move forward, I'm not. And again, you know, if you were teaching character in school, this would obviously be a great vehicle. And we've said that about a lot of the shows that, that we deal with because, you know, Magna, it's you know man versus himself. But then even before it's team Thor against the giants. Uh, 
uh, he's got to come to some sort of a resolution with his brother Lawrence because we still don't know on which side Loki plans to fight if either side I think we said a few weeks ago he may just enjoy you know muddying up the waters and and sitting back with his popcorn and beer and you know watching on the edge I I I find that hard to believe you know I mean I guess the other thing I, I find hard to believe is how much he's latched on to Vidar being his father. I mean, I get on the one hand where he's coming from, but he had such little time and he has to see what the giant family is all about. So I don't know. I, I, I guess we'll yeah. see how that. Well, and also it seems like they really haven't revisited at all that he injected himself with Votan's blood. Right. You know, that, like, what happened with that? They, they, you know, it was like a pretty, obviously a huge scene. Really haven't gone anywhere or said anything about it since then. You know, what's the deal? So, so yeah, it makes an intriguing character, though, yeah. for sure. Now, the other intriguing character for me is Signe. You know who she is, right? She's one of the... Uh, yes, grill teenagers yeah and like uh probably manya's little crush. she's crushing on Magna. yeah that's yeah. a great scene when he's looking at i guess it's her instagram page uh-huh. and, and i forget who comes in and he he puts the phone down real quickly and then he realizes it's face up and he goes over and he turns it over and at first i thought <laughs> um you know that's that's kind of a production error but no he flipped it back so nobody could see it but i wonder whether she could be a god as well. And and I don't have a lot to base it on other than that one line she says to Magna about being ready to fight. And I know on the one hand you can say, well, she's talking about the environmental fight against Udall Industries. And, and I would be with anybody that wants to make that argument. I just wonder whether we're supposed to look a little deeper on that one. Yeah. Because. Well, th- yeah, I, I, I agree. You're absolutely right. There's, there's no argument to be made for. I mean, clearly she's talking about, you know, fighting Udall. But, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like, that that line works on, I mean, on that level, they have to fight Udall. It works on this other level that Manya is eventually going to have to get back in the fight to fight them on a metaphysical level. But then there's also, you're absolutely right. It could also work on a level where she's like, she, she knows more or is more into this than, than we or Manya realizes. Right. And we see that uh, people can be added to the team as needed. So, um, you know, we will see if she already possesses some sort of a power or or what. But, you know, I, I mentioned, I, again, I can't remember whether it was last week or the week before, about the, the scene at the funeral when Magna comes bursting into the church, and, and I had a problem with that, and I think you did as well. And, and Fred brings that up in his feedback that I, I think if we look, I, I guess, at the big picture of Magna, who he was before he became Thor that, you know, whether or not he's on the spectrum, 
it's not really ever made clear, but we could certainly see that, you know, maybe that's an explanation for for that behavior of, you know, coming into the church and disrupting everything and not having a clue that that's what you're doing. So, you know, so that's certainly possible. That said, when he comes stumbling down the steps, <laughs> simply because he's not wearing his glasses, uh, come on. I, I, and maybe Fred will have an explanation for that this week as well. But Yeah, well, again, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but again, this is... This is straight up Spider-Man. You okay. know, that, that was like a big part of Peter Parker realizing that he didn't have his powers anymore. He wakes up and he looks in the mirror and real and he has to put his glasses back on. See, the, actually, the glasses is what that—that's what kicked it for me. I'm like, yeah, they are just, you know, they are just so much. So anyway, All right, well, I'm sorry. Well, I, I will stop mentioning, but but that, you know, that that's a big part of it. You know, like the whole glasses realizing that he's going back to how he was before with these human frailties rather than the, the superpowers he had before as, as Thor. Yeah. And of course it sets up the line from his brother after he says, I'm not myself. And Lartz says, well, who are you? And whether right. Lartz is trying to get a read on whether or not he's still Thor you know, or something else. But, you know, I, I think then when we get into the story about Magna and the gods trying to reassess their priorities and, and you know, he goes to the retirement home and, and they make no bones about it that he's no longer wanted. He's not part of the fight anymore. And, you know, that that hits him pretty pretty hard. And then we get that great scene with Eric at school when they're talking about his paper and as he says to Eric, the problem is that the good only win by killing. And he, you know, doesn't see the a topic. And, and again, how many times have we talked to kids about topics for research paper? And, and we're like, no, dude, that's a great idea. Oh, no, it isn't. It's no, it's great. And, and that's what Eric tells him. The conflict, moral conflict between good and evil. And, you know, that's obviously what we're uh, coming down to. Now, one thing that I, in my notes, I filed it under the, I did not see this coming, is when Iman confronts Ron about her English grade. <laughs> yeah, didn't see this coming is an understatement for sure. All right. Now, on the one hand, it's a scene that you and I have experienced how many times? Uh, um, not, not when a well, kid came in and starts making out with me. Well, okay, never. Yeah, yeah right. Okay, <laughs> let me backtrack. Just, just the part about the grade. Let, let's, let's. Leave. Yeah. Um, right. On on the one level of a kid great grubbing for his or her grade. Yes. Yes. But making out with me, never, not once. Right. But you know what? The the, I I guess the most important aspect of this scene is whether or not her powers of persuasion are going to work on a giant. And I think we know that Iman's not going in there to test her powers. She wants the damn A. And right. she's not thinking about anything else. As as the viewer, as the critic, we're thinking like, oh, is this even going to work? Is she going to go through all of this and then Ron's going to like, busted, get out. But yeah, Which is what I was totally expecting to happen I thought yeah me too at the end of this Ron would be like are you kidding me over here what are you trying to do you know but you know yeah there it gets to a point where we're 
you know, pretty sure that Iman's mojo is is working. Yeah, and again, the fascinating thing about her character is, despite uh, Magna confronting her about using her powers for clothes and grades, and and then her reaction is, I can do whatever I want. And I guess, on the one hand, we, we don't necessarily like that attitude, but on the other hand, at least she's in the fight. You know, at least she's prepared to go and do what needs to be done. And if she gets a new wardrobe along the way, okay, what's the harm there? So, well, uh, right, but it, it also shows us that you know it's like the quote unquote side that Manya is fighting for is not necessarily like morally superior <laughs> to the other side. Right. Sure. Right. Um, that that they are just as willing to use their powers to exploit regular people as, as the giants are. Well, well, right. And in that scene at the gas station, when that guy's stealing gas on his motorcycle and, and, you know, the newest member of the team, I'm not sure if he has a name yet, or I just missed it and throws and hits him with the wrench. And Manya's like, he just stole gas. And it's like, okay, what small crimes are okay. Manya, you, you, you draw the line there. So I don't know, you know, and again, but, but he's, still searching so i don't want to come down too hard on on manya here right well that was that scene was i mean it was i I like because obviously he throws the wrench hits the guy in the head that was hilarious yeah right right but um but you know it's a little heavy-handed like okay we get it manya just wants them to use their powers for good we saw that before with iman i don't know if we actually needed this other scene though i have to admit I love seeing the guy get hit with the wrench. Well, well, sure, and but why isn't that good? The guy was stealing. Are we supposed right. to let him get away with that? I mean, no, it was gas. That's why. That's why it's funny. Right. If it was just some normal person. It wouldn't be funny. It's funny because the guy on a pretty big level deserves it. Yeah. Now, you know, I won't say that Ron has really changed throughout. You know, the the first eleven episodes of this series. And the same for Saxa. Fjord, what the hell happened to Fjord? And and we get that scene where Magnus clearly lost his powers, but he finds out that his mother's been fired. And just what a, a devastating scene when she comes home and goes straight to the water and is prepared to, to drink it. And okay, I don't think a glass is going to kill her, but that that's not the point of that that scene. The point is to the Irish suicide. Yeah, to to send Magna <laughs> to Fjord, who you know he's no match for Fjord at this point, and Fjord's not a hundred percent sure that he's no match because Vidar had told him about his his new powers, but you know he pretty quickly realizes that he can just physically manhandle him, throws off his glasses, breaks them kicks them away it's like what else can i do to humiliate you and your family you're not even worth killing and again there you go that that's the thing to humiliate even more right right and then i think we go back to uh game of thrones and prince oberon and you should have killed him when you had the chance dude you had the chance yeah oberon uh, don't bring that up that's such a but, that's just so emotional for me still. Yeah. <laughs> but Odin 
has to make sure that Magna understands the cost of rejoining the fight, because it, it seems like Magna still thinks I can get back in the game and still keep my moral code in line when we know he can't. He just simply can't. There, there's no way around it. Sometimes there are no other ways, he's told. And and of course, that's true. So I, I, whether something's going to happen along the way that's going to snap him out of it, I, I'm guessing somebody is going to die that, that's going to hit him extremely hard. I, I get, like we said before, I can't see any situation that Gree would return to Etta, but uh, I guess you never know. Um, you never know. Um, yeah, he asks Wotan finally to get his powers back, and the end justifies the means um, and tells him, you're the one that's got to fight evil at any cost, and you know, it's, get your hammer back, and, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. So yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the next episode because, you know, so much is left hanging. And like we said, I find it hard to believe that episode six is going to be the full on giants versus gods fight. So um, I'm guessing it might be, uh, you know, getting everything lined up for go time in season three. But, uh, you know, we've talked about the giants fighting among themselves for control, and, and that's certainly going on. And, you know, even though we have some clarity about how the giants evolve through the centuries that, that as, as to age, you know, then they'll go back to be the, the kids. And so how this group of four hooked up with each other, we don't have any idea, you know, you know, I mean, is it always that Fjord and Saxa are the same age, whether it's young or old and, and it was the same with Vidar and Ron, I, I guess it seems that way. I mean, certainly the the whole time we've seen these characters, you know, the adults have acted like the adults, and the kids have acquiesced for the most part. So, yeah, do they just go on holiday and they come back and they're like, "Hey, yeah, I've and, got two teenage kids now." And, and Sax is worried about her behavior mentions about wine and cigarettes it's it's like morning <laughs> but i'm not sure whether she's more worried for the company than she is for ron so again right. we don't really i mean of course sax is the one that keeps saying feelings i don't need no stinking feelings yeah. and <laughs> right. you know what's up with you people so yeah. whether that's going to change or not so you know, I'm, I'm guessing it really is more about the company than than uh, you know than it is the individual. But but I think like in many ways, the company and their continued existence are kind of intertwined. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure, they have to be, and 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 it's again the short sightedness of Fior at this point. And oh my God, what a scene! Because you yeah. you even though we don't see it's him. We know it's him, right, and we know right. damn well what he's doing. Yep, mm-hmm. that was great. That was that was such an awesome scene for just what you said. You like they show us 
only little that's what i i love i love when filmmakers do this right when they give us just bits of information and they say you guys figure it out you know what's going on and we totally do we know it's fjord and we know he's making himself to so that he looks just like like vidar and oh my god when he's done does he not totally look like vidar absolutely and and when he put that final ring on I, I yeah. expected something supernatural to occur, and whether it did and we just don't see it, I, I don't know. I, I tend to think maybe not, but still, it, it was a great scene in terms of anticipation. The other great scene that takes place at Udelheim is when she demands that Lawrence return the key. And that's when she tells him what what really was going to take place there. And I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess we are uncertain whether he believes her about the fact that his father was going to kill him. I don't know. It's almost like, can't you, you know, you're not as naive as your brother. You see what people are doing. You know, I think Lawrence has got a much better read on the human condition and what people are willing to do to get what they want. I mean, look, it's the first thing he says to Saxa. If I'm going to be bought, <laughs> I want a boatload of money. Yeah. So, you know, he he certainly understands human motivation. But then, you know, Fjord puts him in his place later when he's like, "Eh, you're not that expensive. Uh, Yeah. 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 I mean, again, (laughs) this, the, see, see, and that's why I think that Lawrence, aka Loki, is at least initially going to fight on the side of the gods. They've done their best to humiliate him. What else does he need? to have happened to him to tell him you're not wanted on team giant right. e- even though you're a giant so i i don't know how else to 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 take that saxa confronts fior again what are you doing and you know he says you know we are going to proceed as we always have we're not going to look weak by talking with the environmentalists screw them and of course we know that's they're not going to go away and then sax is looking to ron again i guess she feels like sister you're going to back me aren't you it's good to have a man around and we're like yeah oh my god what a Uh, cringeworthy line yeah just set back feminism a couple hundred years yeah well which is exactly what they're doing like you know uh points out He's like, well, the the mail is the the company charge says the mail takes over. She's like, that's from eighteen forty seven, and she's exactly right. You know, I mean, we are totally everyone is is Team Saxon, right? We're watching this. We know she is absolutely right that they can't do things the way they've always done. That they need to make some adjustments with the times. But Ron and and uh, and Fjord are just perfectly happy to basically their reactionary live as we've always lived type of credo and it's just we know that that's not going to work we know that sax is right right and and she's not going to be denied she's got a plan she approaches lartz about joining her side in the power struggle and informs him you get a vote because you're a giant which then led me to think is this it are there only four giants left i'm not sure if we've been given that information or not i kind of tend to think yes maybe this is it for the giant race and 
wants to get his vote with her. So I, I guess a, a vote of two to two must give her the outcome she wants. I don't know who gets to uh, play Vice President Harris in this kind of situation but uh, and, and breaks the tie. But uh, again, a great scene. She's got the family dinner and reminds them, you know, you guys want to follow the old ways? Well, this is the way it's always been done. You know, we'll have a vote on important issues. And Lawrence now realizes he's in the driver's seat. And, and you know, you mentioned his little uh, exchange with Fjord. And we fully expect Fjord is going to offer him something or say, you know, she doesn't have access to the money. I do. And you're not getting it. But no, it's like humiliate him even further, which, again, if we're using common sense and logic, is just going to drive Lawrence closer to Soxa and whatever it is she wants him to do. So I don't know. I guess yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, are we seeing a third, quote, unquote, team for me, right? Well, right. Is Team Soxa going to be a completely different team than Team Asgard and Team Giant, right? right? And, like, and, and, is she going to strike out on her own and not necessarily be allied with either of them? Well, oh, but what would make sense is to align yourself with, with Team Asgard, because I think she must realize that there may be a deal to be made. There are cooler heads over there, we think. I mean, you never know, especially. Yeah. especially well, we, with, because we know that's not really true, though, right? Like, we know that they're, they're you know, kind of out there as well. Right. So, uh you know, I, I guess the last thing, and, and I mentioned this, you know, a little bit earlier, and, and it's certainly not clear whether or not Lawrence knows what exactly it is he has in the tank there. I'm, I'm guessing he has no clue because, again, like his brother, he's been learning on the fly and um, he doesn't necessarily have a mentor the way Magna had and, and, and certainly will have in, in – uh, Wotan and, and certainly Iman has him as well. So, you know, we'll see, but, um, you know, it, it was a good episode, clearly a setup for the finale. Um, anything else you want to bring up? Uh, a couple things. Um, one, I loved when Iman finds out she got a C in English, she gets indignant. She goes, I'm fucking fluent Yeah, <laughs> in English, which was, Hilarious. So just, if she said that, I'm like, okay, you're right. Give her at least a B for that. Just right. so. Right. Um, well, I think she got a B. She wanted an A. Oh, did she get a B? Yeah. Yeah. She wanted an A. I loved that they brought in the cover of the Pixies' Where Is My Mind, which was is great. And I, um, do you remember how in The Leftovers they, they used that a ton? I, I don't did, know if you're I familiar don't. with that song. Uh, I'm not, no. Oh, okay. Well, you got to go on YouTube and listen to it as soon as we're done. The, the Pixies are amazing. Where's my mind? One of their biggest hits. But um, and, and I'm not saying that you should know it. I, 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 but, um, you know, it, it was a uh, recurring kind of song that they would play in The Leftovers where Justin Thoreau's character, whenever he was going a little crazy, they would play that song. And they play it when Manya is kind of going a little crazy and he's like screaming at the the Udall factory, which is kind of like, it was, I thought it was a really great scene. Uh, though I, I have to admit I was more 
gassed about the song at the time. Uh-huh. Um, so, but 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 I you know I love that. I think there should be more Pixie song in um, in television in general. So, oh, um, Oscar is the the last one um, who in season one was just you know like the kind of like Fjord's a hole friend, you know, and like now he's like kind of like super cool. And he's you know starting up this uh, this environmentalist campaign and is uh, you know being uh, a, a politically active you know it's like completely different than how he was and I I really like what they did with his character I mean I know it's not much he, he doesn't get tons of screen time but when he's on there I think it's actually pretty cool and I I have my my viewpoint of him has changed and it's kind of funny because I think that as as a teacher like and i know you've seen it where you see a kid and you get him as a freshman and the kid's a total jerk and just like you're just like oh my god this kid is unbelievable and then sometimes even when they're seniors they're still like that but then you run into the kid like a couple years later or something and you're like oh my god you turned into an actual real person and everything so i think kind of that's what we're seeing with oscar there so yeah, and, and you know, somebody pointed out in the uh, Reddit group for Ragnarok about these secondary, these minor characters, and how even though exactly what you just said about Oscar, that we don't see a lot of them, and it's easy to dismiss the few scenes that they're in, but but they're generally important. Like like in this one, when they're in the grill and and Lartz, or not the grill, the the fast food place, and Lartz has the you know the guy that works there that they like each other brings him his coffee or whatever and oscar looks over and he's giving him the thumbs up like Uh and and i doubt whether he really knows the emotional anguish that's going on inside of lars so to to get that affirmation is really meaningful for Lawrence, and I think it's meaningful for us. And as you said, his character is changing just with that one little act, which is kind of e- even easy to miss as well. Not not yeah, to mention, yeah. like you said, the environmental work. Um, I thought it was cool how the well, of course, the one girl is kind of like into Manya, but she wants Manya to be the one that represents the activists at the meeting with the Udals, which is kind of cool. Oh, and and the the last thing that uh, you know I thought was kind of neat, uh, Eric tells Manya that he should for his uh, paper, he should should uh, situate Norse mythology in a bit more of a modern context. And Manya yeah. goes, "That's impossible." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that was like a little pretty clever little shout out there. Absolutely. I, I thought was uh, I, I like that a lot. So yeah, yep. um, that's yeah. good. Okay. All right, well, listen, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Ragnarok Season 2, Episode 5. After finishing up Birds of Prey, Dark Angel, I now also finished Extant, and I will start now continuing Defiance, where I'm halfway the second season. I also finished up Jet, which is a crime series, one season, nine episodes, with Carla Gogino and Giancarlo Esposito. Carla we know from The Hunting of Hill House and The Hunting of Bly Manor, and Giancarlo Esposito we of course know from Breaking Bad. 
Although I really recommend this series, I have to warn people because it doesn't look it will get a second season, partly due to COVID. And the first season of nine episodes has quite a cliffhanger. But even now knowing it has a cliffhanger, I really would watch it. And I'm watching a typical the fourth and last season, as Dave correctly assumed. Very funny series about an autistic boy. And it's actually one of the very few series I watched together with my wife. We are now at episode three. And I was pleasantly surprised to hear in your last podcast that Biohackers season two is now available. And finally, I'm continuing the fifth season of Agents of Shields. And listen to your podcast, The Sandbox, Dave. Okay, let's go into Ragnarok. And first off, going into last week's podcast. I think I'm going to help you because there is one question that comes back every now and then in this podcast. As we've said many times, we watch the vast majority of our shows in the original language. And yet, invariably, they'll blurt out a sentence in English for whatever reason. And the person they're talking to understands them. But, well, okay, where did that come from? You obviously have no idea how the English language is interspersed into the European culture, into the European languages. And that's all modern time, of course. For the bigger countries as Germany and France and Spain, it's perhaps a little less. But certainly for the smaller European countries, English is so much interspersed in daily life, in daily language. English expressions, English swear words. Even my own two sons of 18 and 19 sometimes can't find a Dutch word for something because they only know the English word, because they heard it and learned it on YouTube or whatever they are watching. Also in advertisements, also in demonstrations, and not because they want to give the message internationally, because some journalists will film it and it will also, but it's just because it's interspersed in our language. And even nowadays for Germany and, and, and Spain, etc. I don't know for France, by the way. So, Dave and Wayne, never ask again, where does this come from? And you asked me last week if I could tell you what the ending of Extend is and how I liked it. Because you could, Dave, remember nothing else than the probably sexy Halle Berry. Fred, thank you for the feedback and uh, you have to let us know when you finish Extend. (laughs) Remind me what happens because I honestly, I don't have a clue. (laughs) I remember Halle Berry was an astronaut. That's about all I remember and... This gave me, by the way, for the very first time, the idea that you hadn't listened to my audio feedback before you recorded. Normally you do that and you refer in the podcast some things I said. I gave a very quick summary about Extend in my feedback. And I also explained Ragnarok's mid-card snake you were puzzled about in the podcast. I didn't refer back to my explanation, actually, and actually Wayne was referring to Hemlock Grove instead, about the so-called Ouroboros, the snake who bites his own tail, also a strong symbol in the series Dark. But I don't know if my Sherlock Holmesy feeling about this is right. Perhaps it's just paranoia. Extent lasted for two whole seasons and had actually quite nice second season ending, which could lead to a third season, but they didn't get that. But you were quite satisfied actually by the ending they uh, constructed. And I don't want to spoil it here for other people that, as I had, never seen Extent. I think it's a very nice sci-fi series. And last week I explained what the main themes are in this series. Here is your own judgment about the extant finale. 
a lot of questions. And like you said, I mean, if this is it, I'll be disappointed, but I'll feel fulfilled. Yeah. That's kind of like how I feel about Defiance as well. <laughs> Good finale. Could be series. Hoping it's only season. One last little piece of feedback on last week's episode. You were saying that the entrance of Loritz and Magna into the church was off-putting and that Magna didn't go in silently and that Loris was sitting in front. Well, my oldest son of 19 is a high-functioning autist with ADHD. He really could come in just like Magna did. And Loris is always a provoking character. So that's what he is doing here as well. 30 seconds left to give feedback about Ragnarok episode 5. Fjord became the asshole Fidar was, or perhaps even worse. I really wonder if Saxa will fit into her, between air quotes, normal female giant role. Now there is a male in the lead, or will she revolt? My biggest question is actually because Fjord changed so much. If somebody else is in his body, is his Fidar's spirit or something that continues now in Fjord and the Fjord we know is gone? Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Fred, we always listen to your feedback before we record. Now, I guess in my defense, I would say extant wasn't one of my more memorable experiences as a podcaster so it's possible i didn't pay close enough attention to what you were saying about it i mean you know it's like i, I like the show but uh, you know i mean one of the things that i guess i i've experienced over the years is that when you get closer contact with the people that are actually in the show it puts a certain level of pressure on you to to you know almost give them what you know they want to hear instead of maybe what you really feel and while i thought extant was a pretty good show that was one where we had pretty good access to the show's creator mickey fisher now we didn't get access to halle berry or or goran visnich but uh Uh, and i forget who the showrunner was but you know mickey fisher was the creator and yeah i don't know you know i think maybe just it kind of colored the way I, I saw things with that show. He mentions Giancarlo Esposito, uh, and of course he's Breaking Bad, uh, as well as Once Upon a Time. He, and Homicide. And, and Right. And then really, Fred, fascinating insight into English usage in Europe and how it's integrated into the culture because, you know, again, as, as Wayne and I have talked many times when a, a Finn confronts a Swede, they speak in English because that's the, you know, their common language. But that's not really what we're talking about here. So, yeah, that was fun. And, and again, I love Fred's example with his son and, and English mm. curse words. Yeah. Um, we got some good ones in English. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then he brings up whether or not Fjord's essence essentially has been replaced i i i don't think it's that i just think it's like his innate giantness for lack of a better word takes over at the last minute that that that's genetically built into his psyche that he realizes i can't run away with gree i've got to stay here and you know take care of business so i i don't think he's now become fior if if i understand you correctly fred me vidar 
I, I mean, Vidar, right, right, right. I mean, obviously, he's going for the Vidar look, and yeah. you know, it's interesting why he chooses that since their relationship is rocky at best. But right, right. Um, but it's funny because you know how we're looking at it is this idea of like, here's how things have always be, been done. And so we're just going to continue to do things as we've always done them. And he, you know, flirted with getting out and, and making his own way. But ultimately, he comes back to the idea of this is how things have always been done. This is how we're going to continue to do them because that's just the way. Yep. All right. Um, Fred, thank you for the feedback. And I guess it's time to uh, talk about a grade here. And, and, you know, since we're not in the same room, you're not going to be able to use your power of persuasion on me. <laughs> um, but I, I got to go just solid B. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, solid B. I mean, it was a good episode. There was a lot to like, uh, a lot of good character development, a lot of good e- emotional exchanges. But it was a setup episode, and that's fine. There's nothing right. wrong with that. It's just that episode six better kick some major ass. Yeah, yeah. So I assume that it will. I do too. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and leave it there, and we will see you guys next week. That will do it for this episode of Sci Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to know uh, what you think about Ragnarok, anything going on in your genre TV world. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can get in touch with us. We'll be back next week to talk about the season two finale of Ragnarok. But until then, you know, Turid has an experience that almost every parent of any teenager has. And that's, do I pick up the clothes on the floor? I really want those clothes off the floor. I've told him to get them off the floor for weeks now. They're starting to smell a little bad. But on the other hand, I don't know if I want to go through his clothes. I don't know what's in the clothes and everything. And ultimately, you're going to have to have the conversation with a teenager. You just say to him, you know what? I found something very gross in your room.